0: everybody welcome to the show confessions of a creative director the only podcast made by a creative director for creative directors uh those aspiring to be creative directors and maybe even those who don't want to be creative directors anymore uh we'll talk a little bit about that with our guest here coming up soon But uh, hey, thanks for joining the show. This is the fifth episode of the show. I'm continuing to have such a blast and learning so much uh, from my guests. Uh, Today's guest is a guy named Peter Kleiss, who works for an agency in Brussels called Happiness FCB. And the way I came across this guy is he wrote a really interesting post that I somehow came across my LinkedIn feed and i was just so taken with it it was about the art of copywriting and i'm like i got to talk to this guy this guy seems super interesting so i started a chat with him convinced him to be on the show and we had a really great conversation this guy is super smart he's won 3 can lion awards uh, and and just had really thoughtful responses to a lot of questions. We talked about where ideas come from, the creative process, and the future of the agency model. So uh, let's get into it with Peter Kleiss. All right, hey Peter, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Hey, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for making the time to uh, to join the podcast. I think it's uh, what what time is it in uh, Brussels? About seven thirty.
1: Over here, it's seven thirty. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And uh, I understand uh, we were talking briefly before we started the conversation here that you just wrapped up with the, with a pitch. So you, which means you've probably been up for a couple of days, and which means you're probably pretty exhausted. So again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. How did the How did the pitch go?
1: Uh, um, I I hope good, but you never know. Huh? It's um, but we uh, we made work that we believe is right. So then the pitch is good. Yeah. Uh, now it's just a matter of convincing the uh, clients
0: that's a good attitude to have i mean i'm always surprised you know we we go and do pitches and we walk out of that room and we're high-fiving and, and we're like we got that we nailed that and then, you know, a couple weeks later, you hear you didn't get it. You're like, what? How is that possible? So good luck to you. I hope you guys win it and uh, start doing some more incredible work that you guys are are known for. So real quick, if you wouldn't mind, tell me a little bit about you're currently working for an agency called Happiness FCB. So if you wouldn't mind, just uh, tell me a little bit about that agency. It sounds really interesting.
1: Mm, yes, uh, Happiness uh, exists now for uh, 14 years. And since the last five years, it's part of FCB, not a real FCB agency, but a, but an alliance. So my creative director is in the council of FCB, and we have some benefits of a network, but it's not a classic network agency that you have to report financially. So we're a little bit more free. So Happiness uh, has two offices, one in Brussels and one in Saigon, in Vietnam. And we're working for uh, both local and int- international clients.
0: Tell the, tell the listeners, give us a little uh, quick overview of your of your path, of your creative journey, some of the uh, clients and the agencies uh, you've worked with.
1: Okay, well, I've been working now for 10 years. I started out at Boondogel. It's a digital agency in Belgium. Then I moved to uh, Famous Grey. But then it was called Famous. It was an an independent agency still. Then I went to Happiness for four years. Then I had a little uh, holiday at TBWA, Brussels. And after eight months, I returned to uh, Happiness.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like you were missing the happiness from happiness. So you, you made it back. I'll talk a little bit about how I, how I came to know about you in a second here. But just in getting ready for the podcast, I was just reviewing more of your work and going through your history. And I got to say, man, you you are pretty incredible. You, you and your team and your agency have won so many uh, awards. Uh, I was looking on there and it looks like you and your partner uh, won creatives of the year for for one organization and that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that award and about some of the other
1: awards that you've won? okay, okay uh, first of all we we never work for the awards, but uh, it's always a nice recognition there's just a benchmark to know that you are making fresh work that that works because, the times that you can win awards with stuff that's just made to win awards is over i think right i think judges are more and more severe looking at effectiveness of the work etc so yeah yeah I, I was lucky enough to collect some awards throughout the years but don't be don't be
0: don't be too modest cuz i i believe i saw on there that you want to that you and your team have won a, a can lion award is that accurate
1: Yes, he says we won three can lines this How many? year. One can line the year before three, three. Three, come on.
0: Three, you gotta yeah. you gotta give yourself a little bit more credit. That's pretty incredible. And I agree with you that you know we shouldn't do the work to to chase the glass as we as we call it here, right? But it is a nice recognition and a can line. I mean, there's there's not getting around that. That that's pretty impressive. Can you uh, tell me about one of those that you won? What what the client was and what the work was.
1: Okay, last year we won for Blind Meters, it's a digital project for uh, one of our oldest clients, it's a road safety client. So we made a digital platform that that turns Google Maps into a text editor, so you can write on every street. Wow. And uh, we made a custom-made font that stretches to the exact amount of meters that you miss when you type that, because sometimes when you're uh, driving, you think, okay, I'm just going to send a little text message, like almost home or, or something. But actually, it turns out that, that you really miss uh, 300 meters. I don't know what's that. what that is in, uh, in uh, inches when you're driving. So, yeah, follow.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. And then I just also noticed that uh, you recently, some of your work got called out in Adweek. Uh, what was that work for?
1: Ah, uh, yes, now we just launched Helpy Hour. So it's happy hour, but upside down. So it's action of solidarity for Belgian bars, because Belgian bars, uh, it's a big thing here. We are all very fond of our bars and uh, these bars had to close, obviously, for a couple of months. And now they get to open again, but with limited capacity. Uh, they can only one third of the capacity of every bar can be used. So we, uh, we came up with Happy Hour. It's, it's a simple idea, It's just the fact that you, you pay for two and you get one. So it's Happy Hour upside down. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of blew, blew up because we launched the press release. And after one hour, it was on The New York Times. Yeah. So since then, it has been traveling like crazy.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is pretty cool. That is a great idea, and I hope that uh, I hope that some some folks here pick up on that idea because that is pretty pretty brilliant. I love that. That's awesome. And, and by the way, for the folks listening, I will post links to some of this work. I'll post a link to uh, Peter's LinkedIn profile as well, so you can check him out. So the way that I came to know Peter is pretty interesting. I was just on my LinkedIn. Uh, page one day, and I came across this this really cool post, and it just caught my eye. I don't know if it was the way that it was laid out or or what, but I started reading it. I, I'm a I'm a writer. I, I sort of came up as a as a writer, and then you know became a creative director. So I always appreciate words, and this this post was so brilliant that i commented on it and i and i started learning more about peter and i was i was just so impressed i want to read it to you guys and again i'll post this on here and uh, i just want him to to tell us a little bit about it but i'm going to read it for you right and and it goes like this so so sorry if i if i uh i'm going to try to do it in the best way possible in the best peter way possible but uh it says i really can't write that's a problem because i'm a copywriter I discovered it in my first year in an agency when my creative director said, you really can't write. He was right. I have no style. I can't create beautiful rhythmic sentences that sound like music. I can't spin stunning metaphors or gorgeous descriptions. I don't play with words. Words play with me. But, he said, the good news is, if you have interesting things to say, nobody will notice you can't write. I had to think about it for a while, but it was the best advice I ever got. Instead of focusing on the how I would say things, I started to focus on what I would say, on the idea, on the argument to sell the product, the insight to convince the reader. Since then, I've been hiding my lack of literary talent behind ideas. If you can't say things in an interesting way, make sure you have something interesting to say. I've been pretending to be a copywriter for 10 years now. I read that and I was just blown away because it's so, it's so well written and it's just so clever because you're doing all the things that you say you can't do, right? My, I think my favorite, uh, my favorite line is, "I don't play with words; words play with me." Because it's just an example. You just actually did what you said, and 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 the whole post is filled with those little kind of uh, hidden gems, and I and I just love it. And and what I also love about it is that it really has a broader message. Yes, it's about copywriting, but it's really about this idea of. Don't worry about what your job description says. Worry about saying. Um, worry about having interesting things to say, and that can relate to really anything and all kinds of business, right? Worry about that part, and the rest will work itself out. At, at least that's what I took from it. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what, why you wrote this, and and what you were trying to say?
1: First of all, I um, at one point I decided that I was going to use LinkedIn for different things than just posting award updates and and new work. So I I decided I want to add some value and sometimes share uh, a thought I have. And actually, this post originates from from the start of my career because I never studied advertising. So I just arrived there by coincidence. Uh, So I literally didn't know what to do. So my first job was I had to write a, a headline for a print ad. And I had to write, I wrote 80 headlines, and my creative director scratched them all, yeah. like one by one. Like not just putting uh, putting a little V with the ones that were good, but really taking the uh, time to scratch them all, <laughs> which was really uh, harsh. And then he wrote one himself. So actually, yes, I... I wasn't an advertising student, so my whole career was focused on pretending to be to uh, fit there. So there, I, I developed a, a huge case of imposter syndrome. I think. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah. So I mistook writing for literary writing. So I I wanted to write really well and focus on the form, and, et cetera, But actually, I couldn't. So I started to focus on interesting things to uh, say. Because when you look at great copywriting, it's not really literary writing. It's just finding a nice thought, a nice truth. Yeah. Uh, and just formulating it like this, the baseline of uh, McCann Erickson is truth well told. Yeah. So it's actually, that's copywriting for me. And, and I sometimes think that young copywriters lose themselves a little bit in, in a wordplay and, and trying to look like a good writer. Well, in fact, you just have to find something interesting to say.
0: Yeah, that's great. I, I just I was just so taken with it and I started reading some more of your things. And I think I even exchanged a message with you where I said, you got to write a book and, and print all of these. And you said, I, I've been thinking about it. And I, I encourage you to do that because there's another one that we'll talk about here in a second. That was also very interesting. But so if you didn't study advertising, uh, what what did you study
1: uh, well, after college, I started to study, uh, which was more about accounting. But I dropped out in my second year. Uh, so um, I wasn't really doing something. And uh, a friend of mine was doing an internship at Leo Burnett as an art director. And he said, you know what? You can come along on, on a Monday. You can be my copywriter. Because when I have a copywriter, I have more chance of getting hired. <laughs> so uh, I uh, just just arrived there. The CDs didn't, didn't know who I was, and uh, that's how I uh, started working in advertising.
0: Wow, that's a great, that's a really a great story, man, and you made it, and yeah. you've been doing incredible work, so uh, congrats to you. Um, the other post that I'm talking about is a post that you wrote about when you were 30 years old and you became a creative director, and... You thought that that was the next logical step in your career, and then you go on to say that it took you a couple years to realize that the job wasn't for you. So what's interesting about this is that typically I've been having creative directors on here. The show is called Confessions of a Creative Director, and you're technically you know, not, but you are i mean you've you've done it you've you've done the job what was it about it that you didn't that you thought the job wasn't for you well you talk about it here but um in your post but why don't you share with with the listeners why you made that decision to give up the creative director title
1: okay um to to be honest before i became a cd everybody was telling me peter it's a different job and i was thinking no my job is making great work so the job is literally the same, but it was not. Uh, I did it for two years and I did it relatively well, but it, it's, a, it's a different job. You have to coach a team, you have to do a lot of meetings, actually just being in a lot of meetings for the case of being in the meeting.
0: Tell me about uh, it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So after two years, I uh, realized like, okay, I'm, when I'm driving to work, I don't have the same uh, smile on my face as i used to so that was a sign for me that i just had to become a creative again because i don't know i think not every good creative is made to be a cd either a creative or a cd yeah it's not like associate cd etc 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 so yeah i just told talk to my cd and said okay uh, i i just want to become a creative again yeah I think a lot of people get promoted uh, in functions that they don't really want to do, but it seems a a logical step to grow, while you can also grow as a creative. Sometimes I think I help junior teams better by just showing how it's done than by being a CD. Right.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So that's the reason why I haven't had a smile on my face driving to... To work for the last several years because I'm an executive creative director. Just kidding. I, I do enjoy my, my job, but I totally get what you're saying. It is a lot of busy work. It is a lot of meetings and things that are probably not necessary. Do you think it's possible to be a creative director and not do that kind of stuff, not get bogged down with the meetings and the bureaucratic stuff? Do you think that that's possible?
1: Uh, I don't think it's possible. I think you always have to do some ceremonial stuff. Yeah. It's like that in in a Belgium. Huh? I I don't know how it is in uh, in the American agency. I, think, so. I
0: mean, I think uh, well, that sucks because I you know I was hoping that you had a magical answer for me so that I could avoid that. It's an interesting thought. Is how do you get to that point? And, and you know, I can see it from both sides. I mean, if you've gotten to the level of you know whatever executive creative director or the senior leadership is going to want to take you around to meetings and and you represent sort of the creative offering of, of the agency. So I I do get that. I I do wish that they would a little bit less of the of the dog and pony show and more of of the working but i i get it
1: yes but it's a personal thing uh, because i i think i I feel better i'm rebellious by nature so i have to be a little bit of a rebel i have to challenge the management challenge the uh, briefing that's where i function most yeah So, so as a cd you cannot rebel against the management because you are (laughs) (laughs)
0: well i still try to i still try to i still see myself a little bit as an outsider a little bit of of a rebel and i do try to push uh our management but you you're right you do you you sort of like become part of the machine i guess in, in a way but i try not to get sucked into the dark side sorry if you're listening uh senior uh leaders but i try not to get sucked into the dark side and and remain the uh the rebellious creative person that I am at heart. But yeah, you're right, you do you do sort of, uh, you become a little bit of the man, so to speak. Um,
1: yeah, and I'm not saying I, I will never do it because I was just 30 and I, I had the feeling that I was coming to my best years as a creative and I couldn't do it myself. So I, will, I felt like, okay, sometimes you have CDs Who are better at getting ideas, uh, creatives that are better than what they would come up come up with themselves. But I'm better with coming up with with the stuff myself instead of coaching other people. Yeah. Um,
0: So uh, let me ask you this: Tell me about the best creative director that you've ever worked for, and what made them good, in your opinion.
1: That's an interesting question. I worked for a bunch of very talented CDs, and I think what makes a CD great is that it gives you the feeling that anything is possible. Yeah. If you leave a meeting, if you leave a review with an open mind, then it's a good CD. If you leave a meeting with a closed mind, then something's wrong. I had the chance to work for some very talented CDs who who always gave me the idea that if I come with a great idea, it's possible that it's done. Yeah. I think that makes the makes the difference between, between a CD who's just there to say yes, no, yes, no, and a CD who really inspires you to uh, come up with stuff that you would never come up with yourself. And so you mentioned, you know,
0: being a rebel and challenging. Do you, as a creative, enjoy when a creative director challenges you and pushes back on your work? I know, you know... Uh, Us creative types, we can be a little bit sensitive, right? And when we sometimes like to dish out the dish out the challenges, but don't always necessarily like them. Do you enjoy
1: that? Do you appreciate that? Oh yes, because I'm I'm very lazy by nature. (laughs) I really need someone to uh, push me and to um to give me a review. So so. I know I have to have stuff. So, yes, I, I really need someone who appreciates me.
0: That's good. Okay, that's, that's good to know. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about uh, your creative process. I'm always fascinated to learn about how people, how people's personal creative processes work. But how do you tackle a creative challenge? What's, what's step number one for you?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question also. Um, first, I start with, uh, yeah, it's a basic thing, but you have to know everything about your uh, product and the brand. I do a lot of research, but then I just work on instinct. Um, I don't try to systemize everything. I just wait a long time and then ideas start coming. I think sometimes you know when an idea is game. Yeah. You know, I think the best work feels spontaneous, so I don't try to to work too too hard. Yeah. I, I think that the best ideas come naturally.
0: Interesting. Do you do anything to try and facilitate that? Do you go outside and work or do you take a walk or do you do anything to try to facilitate that?
1: No, I don't really have a system. But I have a team partner and we know that when we start fighting, something good is coming. <laughs> we always, we always fight, fight a little bit and then, then we you know okay maybe we have something good because when we start to fight a little bit we know it's something something worth fighting for my know?
0: career path is different than than yours I never worked um and I, i'm i'm kind of bummed out that i that I didn't um I never worked in that team setting you know copywriter and and art director which i assume is is the type of partnership that you have i've never done that but it sounds so interesting to me and, and the dynamic seems really interesting as well it's almost like a it, it sounds like almost like a, a little bit of a, of a marriage. Tell us a little bit about that, that whole relationship between copywriter and art director. How does that work?
1: Yes, for sure. I think it's one of the few jobs that you are really bound with someone. You get promoted together, you get fired together. Uh, everything that you do is from a couple. So, yeah, I think it's a magical thing because you get to share all the all the successes, all the disappointments. when you have a little bit of self-doubt, the other person can get you through. so yeah i I really enjoy working with a with a team partner. Can you share a little bit about your
0: partner or is that or is that uh, top secret, or can you share a little bit about him
1: or her? My uh, team partner is eleven years younger than me? I actually hired her when I was his CD still. yeah. She's is really talented. She has an eye for a design, and she she always comes with some with something fresh. But I think that a great team works a little bit like like high jumping. You know, someone sets sets the bar there, yeah. so you know, okay, I have to beat beat that and jump higher and higher and higher. Because when when you wouldn't have someone who has sets the bar there, you wouldn't have the the extra pushed to jump that high. It's a little bit of a competition sometimes. Um, but a friendly competition because you uh, you both work for the same goal. How does
0: it work as far as conceptually, how does it typically work? Are you typically res- uh, responsible for the overall creative concept in terms of what the main idea is? Or does it work sometimes both ways? Or how does that, that work?
1: Oh, uh, it works. It works both ways. Sometimes it's her. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes she comes with an image that gives an ID for a whole platform. Yeah. Um, sometimes I come with a line that gives an ID for a lot of images. It's not a science. It's every time it's different. And I still don't know how we do it. Yeah. It feels like every briefing is the first briefing that I get. and And that I have absolutely no clue what I have to do. Yeah. I, I read this book
0: called the um, the War of Art, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before. And um, the author talks about people having a muse, right? And, and back in the um, in ancient times, people f- didn't think of themselves as the person that's generating the creativity. They thought of it as like almost like an alternate being, you know. So that that's where the word muse comes from and the word genius you know as people like that's the genius right it's it wasn't you it was some other being is that similar to what what you think like when you land on an idea it's what is it how does it feel like to you does it feel sort of like it's coming from somewhere else
1: yes it's a little bit philosophical but i do believe that the best ideas are floating you just have to see them and pick them but it's not how, how would I say it? I, deep down, I still feel like that uh, junior guy who never studied advertising, who, who has absolutely no clue. So every briefing, I start to panic a little bit. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. It always starts from panic. <laughs> 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 that keeps things fresh because I think when I when you start to work on experience, it becomes boring because yeah. you, you do the same stuff that, that you know that works. Right. Uh, so I try to forget about uh, all the stuff I learned a little bit sometimes.
0: Yeah, and that also is something that I've talked about on the podcast before, right? And I don't know how it is there uh, in Belgium if if agencies do this kind of thing, right? But here here in the states, there are there are agencies who have you know hung their hat on this idea that they have a perfect creative process, right? And it's it's this magical. You know, sausage maker that you know you input stuff into it, and all of a sudden it's going to generate all the best ideas, right? And I just think that that's just kind of bullshit. And I don't, you know, I think like like you said, it's different every time. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that there's a that it's just there's there's it's not a science? I think you said a few seconds ago it's not a science. It's something else. Do you agree with that? And and do agencies and in Belgium, are there some agencies that say, we have the
1: best creative process? I can only speak for myself, of course. So it might be be possible that some creatives have found a recipe that always works. But for me, it's it's different every time. Some agencies have recipes, you, you know, like they have a certain trick that they pull right. every time, which is okay because some, some do it really well. But do you
0: think that, it, that, that if you really were... Like, if you were a fly on the wall in their in their ideation, do you really think that they're following this magical process or is it just what I call the marketing within the marketing, right? This is the message they put out into the world. If you were a fly on the wall, do you think that it really is some kind of magical process or they're just... Uh, no, it's
1: chaos everywhere. Yeah. I, think, I think it's chaos everywhere. I think, you know, for really great stuff... You cannot have a system. Right. It always comes differently. And and, and it shows in the work because I, sometimes when I look back at all the stuff that I made, it's so different every time. Sometimes it's a digital thing. Sometimes it's it's a print or it's an activation, but it's always completely different because the process is, is always completely different. Yeah, uh, Most of the time... I really don't know how we did it because sometimes I go to a review thinking that, oh, fuck, <laughs> we, we really have nothing. But sometimes while doing the review, while explaining the stuff, you quickly feel if it's bullshit or 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 not. Sometimes yeah. I only know during the review if it's good or not.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Where do you draw... Inspiration from typically, you know, are, are you a big reader? Do you read uh, books or, you know, listen to other podcasts? Or what do you what do you do to draw inspiration?
1: I don't know. Um, I'm interested in a lot of things. I watch a lot of documentaries. I re- read a lot of books. I watch movies. I go to exhibitions. But I don't think that's the, that that's the inspiration for my work. It just offers some impressions that might come in handy 10 years later. Yeah. Or, or something. I just think it's more uh, a matter of being an interested person. If I get a briefing, I'm genuinely interested in the problem that I'm solved. I try to deduct every briefing to a problem. Sometimes it's a business problem, sometimes it's a humanitarian problem, and try to find a solution. So I'm. I think it's just a matter of putting the interest in.
0: Yeah, you said something that I, that just triggered a thought that I've been wanting to talk to people about, and I touched on it on a previous podcast, but you just used the word humanitarian problem. What do you think about, uh, and you may already be doing this, um, but what do you think about the idea of creatives and creative directors and people coming together to solve humanitarian problems and not just marketing or business problems do you think that we're sort of an untapped resource to solve that given you know given everything that we're dealing with right now uh, in terms of COVID-19 in terms of the protests and the and the you know the the racial inequality that that we're seeing here in the in the states do you think that we're an untapped resource to try and solve those problems that maybe? creative directors and creative people in general could look at things and, and come up with solutions that haven't been thought of?
1: We probably do, but every year in the period of February, April, because then the count deadline is uh, coming. <laughs> but it's true, you know, we are we are all people. We are create, creative thinkers, so probably.
0: If I'm remembering correctly, I think I saw on your feed, on your LinkedIn feed, somebody, one of your contacts was, was mentioning something about a U.N. brief or the U.N. had had released a brief for calling for ideas on
1: something like that. Uh, yes, we uh, came up with a platform, a Global Creative re- Review. It started actually uh, out of pure frustration to make something because in Belgium we tend to make a lot. We produce a lot of work. It doesn't happen that you work for a full year on uh, one brief and on, on one client. so. I really need to make stuff. So when the lockdown started, all my projects were 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 cancelled. Yeah. So I really had one week of full de- depression and lost uh, loss of sense and and uh, so I really needed a project to get me going. Yeah. Uh, so we came up with a with a review platform that connects creators with uh, CDs from different continents to get feedback oh. on your ideas. Okay. Uh, to check if your id is truly global and the goal is actually now because we we have a database of uh, people to start using it for different briefings like let's say that there's a big climate uh, brief uh, that we can uh, use that platform and the knowledge on that platform to tackle those briefs
0: as well so where where would somebody go to find information on that is there a website
1: it's global re-
0: GlobalCreativeReview.com. dot com. dot com. Okay, cool. I'm gonna check that. I'm gonna check that out. What do you think the future is for agencies? What is there a, do you foresee a new agency model coming? I, I I seem to feel like we're kind of on the verge of some new era of agencies what do you think do you think the the model that we've been operating under is still viable or do you think you see some changes coming
1: no i think everything is gonna slim down i think that let's say that uh, a client pays for 80 80 people working on their brand but actually it could could be done with 60 yep for example i think that that's uh, we need more people who can do different stuff. We, don't, we need less specialists, like, like one person doing all the social and one person doing all the folders and one person do, doing all the TV spots. I think that everything is going to slim down. So I think there is a lot of future for uh, lean agencies with people who can uh, wear different hats.
0: Yeah, I love that. For sure, I love yeah. that. I love that thinking, and that's kind of in line with what I've been thinking as well. And I would love to just be an agency that solves problems, regardless of the channel, right? So I call it uh, other people call it um, you know, channel agnostic or whatever. Um, but I just want to be able to solve the problem, right? And don't you know, the the client comes to you with a problem that they they need to solve. And you come up with a solution that may be, you know, traditional TV or it may be a, a social campaign. It may, may be some other type of platform. It could be a stunt. Whatever it is is just like having the opportunity to come back with a solution and not have any kind of pre- preconceived notion of what it, it is supposed to be, right? Uh, yes
1: for sure I think that a lot of briefings are just, questions to fill in a media plan that's fixed before right uh, so actually it should be open like it can be a traditional campaign but of course you 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 always need so certain, certain stuff you you always need a TV spot or a, or a social plan but um, yeah everything is a media for sure um, the solution can be can be a product or uh, it can be one poster that you do a full, fully integrated campaign around, uh, like survival billboard, for example. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yes, just yes, for sure. I hope that clients, you know, because we we went through a common tr- uh, trauma. Yeah. Uh, one Brands, people, marketing managers, CDs, and we all did it together. So I, I really hope that that a lot of brands will leave the the truth of the presentation deck a little bit and go into the 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 truth of daily life. Yeah. Um, so I'm quite positive, actually.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting um, to see how all the brands have pivoted and and reacted to this and moved very quickly, and you know are creating things that are different, that are potentially a little bit more socially conscious and and things like that. So I. I I'm with you. I hope that that this brings a, a, around some um, some positive changes, and I'm also interested to see what you know if we're right about this, the shift in the agency model. Um, you talked about having a lot of different interests. So, if you weren't a creative, if you weren't a copywriter or creative person in general, what do you think that you would want to do, or what would you be doing? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs>
1: Well, I have absolutely no idea because I'm very introvert. I also study sometimes, so it would be really difficult for me to uh, function in a real job because I have some friends and they have to wear suits and ties to go to work and it's very, very formal. So sometimes I wonder, like, wow, I could never function in a normal work environment. Yeah, so it's really a god it's a it's a gift that i can work in uh, advertising yeah. to be honest yeah.
0: yeah yeah me too i mean i'm a i'm a uh, a musician and a songwriter so obviously if i could wave a magic wand and do that for a living i'd probably do it immediately but uh this is not a bad this is not a bad second choice right i, I do love creating things and and watching them uh come to life and um you know i'm i'm what 48 years old now. And I feel like I'm just kind of hitting this new creative stride. And I want to, um, you know, I, I feel like I still haven't done my my best work. And so it's inspiring to talk to folks like you, people like you who are who are doing incredible work in, in different areas. That's what I strive to do. I want to break out a little bit and do some different things besides the the types of work that I've been doing here. So, um, so yeah, so I'm excited. And thanks for, uh, thanks for, uh, the inspiration I, i'm i'm telling you man you gotta write this book you gotta write this book I, I i will buy the first copy i want you to uh to sign it for me but uh i really hope that you do that because you are a, a brilliant uh writer and i look forward to uh keeping in touch with you and and sharing work and uh just kind of being part of your your network so thanks for joining the podcast anything else that you want to leave
1: us with uh no uh no
0: you want to go go back you want to just end this you want to go back to being an introvert well you don't you don't come across as a as a an introvert um but i I think a lot of creative people are
1: i have been stuttering since i was uh, young yeah so it's always a very big uh challenge for me to start talking so surely doing a podcast is for me a, a big step
0: well, good. You did great. Uh, I think our, our listeners are going to enjoy it. And uh, don't be surprised if you get a bunch of requests, friend requests from uh, from L.A. or from uh, the States. Um, and again, man, really seriously, uh, thanks for jumping on here. It's been an honor to talk to you. And um, I look forward to following your your career. And uh, let's keep in touch. Let's keep chatting. And uh, maybe someday we'll get to work together.
1: OK, thank you.
0: All right. Take Have care, a- Peter. All right. Talk soon. Take care. And that is a wrap on episode number five of Confessions of a Creative Director. Wasn't that a great conversation? Uh, My special thanks to Peter for joining the podcast. Really loved his thoughtful responses to some of those questions. Super interesting guy. I'm going to post some links to that, uh, the original post where I I came to uh, learn about Peter. Also uh, point you to some of his work so you can check out Some of that award-winning work. Three canned lions. My gosh, that's pretty incredible. So, uh, yeah. So, hey, listen, I need your help. I want to make this podcast as diverse and inclusive as possible. So I'm looking for some African-American creative directors to feature on the show. Um, And, of course, anybody else. If you know somebody who is an awesome creative director, please shoot me a note or just comment uh, on the post here because I would love to feature some folks. Um, I'd love to hear from some other uh, Latinx creative directors like myself, um, Asian-American creative directors. Everybody is welcome. I want to make this show super diverse, super inclusive, so please drop me a line, connect me with some of these folks, and uh, I'd love to have them on the show. Our theme music was composed by... You guessed it, still don't know. Anybody know? Anybody know who these guys are? Uh, If you do, please let me know so I can reach out to them. And playing us out today, as usual, is yours truly. The song from my song club called This Time November. So check that out, and uh, all right, we'll uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Confessions of a Creative Director. Learn more about us at cdconfessions.com. Peace.